I know at times I've picked on you for this, but this morning I would like to thank you for always sitting in the same seats. It made it so much easier when I was here praying for you because I could just visualize where you sit and I could pray for you. So if you're sitting in the wrong seat today, you might not have gotten prayed for, but the rest of you, uh, you were covered. Um, <clears throat> the other thing I want to say is uh, I know schedules are crazy and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but if you missed Richard Meeks's message last week, I highly encourage you to find a way to listen to it. I think it's been on Facebook. I think the diagram was up on Facebook that he drew. Uh, it was just really, really good stuff. I've heard a lot of sermons for a lot of years, and I, if Richard listens to this, I apologize, Richard. I'm not saying it was the best one I've ever heard, uh, but it was a really unique way of explaining uh, stuff that we all need to wrestle with. So just encourage you, if you need help trying to find a way to listen to it, be sure and touch base with me, and, and I'll hook you up. Um, so to start, uh, we're going to start with a little bit of a survey. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, I know some of you have some, some physical challenges. If you're physically able, would you stand up, please? And... And before we start the survey, let me just let me just qualify. Just settle in a second. Don't sit back down. Um, I I've been in church for a long time, and some of you have. And many of us have learned that when they ask questions at church, if you have to guess, your safest guesses are God, Jesus, and Bible. Okay. <laughs> so let me just say, for our survey, those answers are off the table. All right. God isn't going to be the right answer, Jesus isn't the right answer, and Bible's not the right answer. So I, I want to talk about books for a little bit. And what I will say is, if you have never read a book in any way, shape, or never even turned a page in a book, you can sit down. We're all going to judge you. All right, I'm just saying. All right. If you've never read an entire book, Cover to cover, you can sit down. All right, got a couple of you there. Okay. Um, if you have ever read a really, or excuse me, let me back up and say it backwards. If you've never read what you would say was a really good book, you can sit down. All right. There are some out there, I will say. If you have never read a book that was so good you hoped it would never end, you can sit down. All right, so it's some good stuff, but not one that's just, I, I, I'm going to die if this book ends. All right, so on the count of three, think, think of one of the books you read that you thought it would be great if the book never ended. All right? And on the count of three, I want all of you to say that book that you wished would never end. One, two, three. Awesome. Have a seat. So, I, I should, I, I know you were getting tired, so, um, and any of you who do public speaking, if you're afraid people are going to fall asleep, that's a good way to start. All right, get them up, get them moving. It buys you a few extra minutes at the end. Um, I, I know from experience. Um, but one last question. Think about those books you've read that you hoped would never end. All right. And of those books, 
On the count of three, I want you to say your favorite author. All right, think a minute, favorite books, books I wish, well, it's just, I hope that never ends. It's just too good. I'm reading one right now. The guy's name is Bob Goff. Love does. It's just messing with my mind. It's a fun read. I actually ration it. All right. I will only let myself read a chapter a day because I don't want it to end too quickly because I just sit there and read the whole book. But anyway, uh, that's just my, my issues. So on the count of three, one of the authors of one of those books you hoped you would, would never end. One, two, three. Awesome. Now, today, we're going to talk about this question, will you see what I see? And I'm going to take a few minutes to review the first few chapters of what I consider to be a rather special book. It is a book that I suspect at least some, perhaps many people in this room are hoping will never end. The book is unique because how it relates to every person in this room at this very moment in time, as well as everyone who will eventually hear the words I speak today. Everyone who hears what I have to say today has either helped to write this book or is currently helping to write this book or can choose to help write the next chapter in this book. Note, if you will, I hope you pick up on these subtle clues I give you when I put something in all caps and underline it, all right? Note that my title is not, Can You See What I See?, but is, Will You See What I See? It is a choice in terms of choosing to see what I'm going to ask you to see. My contention to you today is... All of you are authors, or you can choose to become authors starting to get today. As together, we are writing the next chapter in this book called The History of Caring Community. One of the things they say never do when you're speaking is talk about your closing before you actually start to close, because people stop listening as soon as you say the word close. All right? I've said it repeatedly. Stay with me. Before I close with an invitation to see what I see or to dream about the next chapter, I'm asking you to indulge me as I reminisce a bit by reflecting on chapters one through four. Regardless of how you feel about history or how you feel about this particular history and how it intersects with your life, up to this point. It is important to note that every chapter I will talk about has brought significant change. And there's every reason to expect that the next chapter will do the same. So chapter one, in my incredibly creative mind, I came up with a catchy title for chapter one called the 1980s. Some of you have only read about the 1980s in history books. No, you don't read books. You may have seen about the 1980s on Google or Wikipedia. But in the late, in, in late 1980, the leadership at First Wesleyan Church in Battle Creek, now known as Woodland Church, proposes the prospect to the Shea family of moving from Athens, Michigan, somewhere to start a church. 
their local board administration at the time eventually settled on Albion as the location, and they approved the project before the end of 1980. A lot of stories there. I won't even tell them. We're not going to tell a lot of stories today, just bullet points. In early 1981, the Shea family and their mobile home are moved to Albion while I continue my daily commute to Battle Creek where I worked as a civilian police dispatcher. Shortly thereafter, a care group, small group Bible study, was started in the Shafe's mobile home. In May of 1981, May 17th to be exact, Caring Community Church held their first public worship service in the Albion Holiday Inn. I hope you're catching about the change we've seen already. Uh, the church that sent us here doesn't even call itself by the same name. The place where we started worshiping has had numerous names since then. We no longer live in a mobile home. All right, we no longer have a care group, small group Bible study. Everything changes. That first service, the message was a God of new beginnings. And what I think is imperative to note at this moment in my reflection is the same God who was a God of new beginnings on May 17th in 1981 is still a God of new beginnings on March 1st, 2020. We got to grasp that. Early in 1982, Karen Community moved from the Holiday Inn to the Fellowship Lounge area of the First United Methodist Church in Albion. In early summer of that same year, I ended bivocational status, and the ministry became our sole source of support. In chapter 1, we accepted the donation of an extensive renovation of a home at 803 East Michigan Avenue in Albion, which served as a parsonage, office space, and gathering place uh, for the young congregation. In chapter 1, we transitioned from being a pioneer status church to an organized church in the Wesleyan Church. We received 21 charter members. In addition to Diana and myself, the only charter members that are still active today are Spence Farmer, Craig Turner, who's down the hall, and Todd Turner. Stuff changed. Hey, yeah, cool. I wish I could give you a gold watch, but you got a round of applause. That's the best to get, so... But again, change. In that first chapter, several leadership families took some exception to some of the doctrinal views of the West St. Church and actually left to start another church in Albion. And then at the very end of chapter 1, we conducted our first capital campaign called Reaching Forward Together. The total pledges were give, to be given over a three-year span exceeded three times our annual giving. In chapter one, we shared together in 17 baptisms, 15 dedications, and 45 faith decisions. In chapter 1, we saw our attendance the first year we averaged 23. 
That was our average Sunday attendance for an entire year. And it ballooned all the way up to 73. Our giving went from $5,200 a year to $36,000 in a year. That's chapter 1. If you noticed at one point, I realized I, I skipped past a point. When I said our capital campaign was reaching forward together during the 80s, when we had people leave who were in leadership, Um, and we sought to clarify what we were doing is when we adopted a a mission statement that was reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. Reaching up to become people of God, reaching in to become people of integrity, and reaching out to become people of influence. And that served to provide guidance during that first chapter. Then, chapter 2, again, just how creative is this guy? The 90s is a great title for chapter 2. In the 90s... We purchased 22 acres on Irwin Avenue as a future building site. We arranged for two separate loans totaling $350,000. And in August of 1991, we began construction of our initial facility. And the first service was held in our own facility on December 21st of 1981. Now, again, $350,000. We just need to think about that for just a moment based on what I said from chapter 1. We borrowed, in order to build this first phase, with a congregation of somewhere between 70 and 80, we borrowed what was the equivalent of somewhere between 7 and 10% of our annual income, or 7 to 10 times our annual income. Only our denomination was crazy enough to lend us that much money. Seriously. In today's world... That would be the equivalent of us of, equivalent of us of bar, equivalent of us borrowing somewhere between one and a half and three million dollars. Just chew on that for a minute. So, chapter two, uh, we bought our property, we built our building, we conducted, after we were in the building, we conducted our second capital campaign called Growing Forward Together. The focus was on aggressively retiring our existing mortgage. Three-year pledges that time were approximately two times our annual giving. We conducted in Chapter 2 two year-long leadership development programs, one targeting women called Reaching Women, excuse me, Reaching Women, and another one called Joshua's Men, targeting men. In that one-year process, we trained a strong nucleus of leaders, many of whom would be a vital part of the ministry for years to come, some continuing to this day. During chapter 2, we began a transformation in our worship style, moving from a piano and a song leader and hymnals to a worship team and projection. And again, uh, we're talking a slide projector, all right? We're not talking projection when we think projection today, and that was big time, all right? During chapter 2, we experienced a time of student-led high school ministry where incredibly strong momentum was generated, especially in the Homer schools. In chapter 2, we started the process of hiring a part-time staff person to work with youth. And in chapter 2, there was a season where 
our church-wide study of Henry Blackaby's experience in God, which I've referenced before, resulted in a season of significant spiritual renewal. I, I, I always don't know how to label things, but if it was not, it was the closest we have ever experienced to what I would call a revival. Chapter 2. In chapter 2, we saw 30 baptisms, we saw 50 dedications, and we saw 57 faith decisions. Now again, the first two of those, just to qualify or clarify, the first two of those are pretty easy to document and to keep track of because faith decisions are a personal thing. Sometimes we have an indication when that's taking place, sometimes we don't. And so, again, those are the best numbers. Those numbers are based upon what we reported each year in our annual denominational reports. So just just to give a frame of reference to us. In Chapter 2, attendance went from 78 to 130, and then we managed to grow that back down to 116. So there was kind of a part of this. I could speculate on a lot of the reasons why. Some may just be my musing, some may be spot on, but it's kind of a moot point here. But again, we saw change, we saw growth, we saw a decline, uh, all in the same chapter. In that chapter as well, our giving went from a six, $61,800 to $136,600. And that is chapter 2. Chapter 3, the 2000s. I don't even know how to call it that, but that's what I called it. In the 2000s, whoops, i got to have this here. Sorry about that. In the 2000s, during that season, Vacation Bible School evolved from a children's activity to a, an all-church event. In the 2000s, we hired part-time youth staff with limited results. And then we hired a full, or created and hired a full-time staff position. Giving patterns during the early part of chapter 3, combined with the proceeds from the sale of our parsonage on Michigan Avenue, allowed us to pay off our first mortgage several years early. In that same period, the termination of our youth staff created some uncertainty, and it highlighted a need for clarity which resulted in the adoption of our current mission statement centered around being Christ-centered and family-focused. During chapter 3 is when we rolled out and began to pursue our annual July 3rd fireworks outreach. We worked for several years in that chapter with a denominational consultant in the area of refocusing. The continued expansion of our audiovisual resources facilitated the ongoing adaptation of our worship style. The resulting changes prompted some to stop attending caring community, and it also prompted others to start attending caring community. At various times during this decade, parent-led student ministries provided effective outreach to Albion High School and also to Marley Schools, especially the two of those. We had large groups of students attending events like Acquire the Fire and Winter Jam. In Chapter 3, the entire facility was given a facelift and fresh paint, new carpet, new chairs. We added 
a new roadside sign with changeable lettering. Those last two came in, in response to successful above and beyond giving. In chapter 3, we saw 52 baptisms. We celebrated 42 dedications. And we saw 88 faith decisions in that chapter. In chapter 3, attendance went from 125 all the way up to 131 and down to 103. Again, everything changes. And it's important for us to grasp that. In that same period, giving went from 149,000 to 115,000. The 149 was in 2002. The 115 was in 2009. Again, I hope you're grasping. I keep harping on it. But it's imperative that we grasp. There is an ebb and flow. And we need to understand that. The old adage of strike when the iron's hot. We need to understand how that fits into things. Which brings us to chapter 4. And again, it just I should have been saying this all along, but just think, uh, at every chapter, for some of you, when I started with chapter 1, yep, been there, done that. For some of you, when we got to chapter 2, it's like, oh yeah, that's when I jumped on ship. No wonder things were getting better. Um, <laughs> chapter 3, again, some of you say, oh, yep, yep, that's when we came along. And then when we get to chapter 4 is when pretty much all of you, a couple exceptions, but when pretty much all of you first began to interact. So chapter 4, the 2010s. Oops, early in that chapter. Again, I wish I could take credit for this, but based on some teaching that I heard, uh, we started one of the years in that chapter with a series of messages called The Best is Yet to Come, where we were invited to dream what it would be like if together we worked to make the next five years the best five years in the history of caring community. We focused on three areas, people, places, and programs. And we taught on that for a period of a few weeks But that mindset continued to resonate and influence our thoughts and our decisions. In this chapter, we created a part-time position that we called volunteer coordinator. And eventually hired, after searching a lot of resumes, we hired congregational member Cheryl Willick to fill that role. Much of the congregation in chapter 4 at the time, embraced a series of teaching called The Blessed Life, material made popular by Robert Morris, megachurch pastor. As he taught very clearly and consistently and effectively with God's Spirit's anointing that the whole tithe belongs to God. Some of you hear me say stuff every week. And again, I'm human too. If somebody says something to me every week, eventually it's just like they're, mah, 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 mah. all right? I, hopefully you don't hear me that way, but I get it. But 
Most times, when I pray for the offering, I emphasize we're not giving our tithe. We're returning God's tithe to him. It's his tithe. I'm just giving him back what he says is his. That comes from that teaching. And I had taught the entire history of our church probably more actively than many pastors about giving, but I had never had the boldness God requires to say, you know what, the tithe is the tithe. And we got to figure that out. As we embrace that, we saw our giving increase exponentially to the point that others in our denomination were saying, Man, we saw your reports, what are you doing? Yeah, it's not, and it's not me, it's not us. In that same chapter, we also began, not because of, but in part influenced by, we also began to offer the Financial Peace University classes to help all of us in our congregation and perhaps in the community as a whole to become better managers of the resources God entrusts. And again, Financial Peace says, first thing you do is give God his. Stop. Don't move on till you've dealt with that. In this chapter, attendance and giving momentum prompted our leadership. Again, some of that momentum created by the best is yet to come. That momentum prompted the leadership to move forward with a substantial facility expansion and renovation aimed at increasing our capacity, but also the functionality of our facility. And what you enjoy now is a result of that. We conducted our third capital campaign called Caring for the Generations because the vision for this expansion was not for the here and now. It was for the what is yet to come. And that was what drove that process. That's why the huge majority of the expenditure, you know, the kids, I mean, let's be selfish for a minute, can we? The kids got that, I mean, from that green room that way, all that new stuff, all right? You know what we got? One, two, three, four. We got five steps. And they got all that. Because we were caring for the generations. $235,000 was a pledge above and beyond what people were already given. And people were already buying into giving the whole tithe. They pledged to give that over a three-year period and actually did and gave more than that. Actual construction in Chapter 4 on the facility began in October of 2015 and was completed in March of 2016. The total project was approximately $950,000, resulting in a mortgage of $644,000. That gap between $644,000 and $950,000 was covered through the money people had given in advance and as we were in the midst of the process. Following completion of the facility, once we assessed, once the priorities were, the first priorities were taken care of and we assessed the resources, we were then able to move forward and do a total expansion and revamping of our audiovisual system, including AV in the children's area, including speakers in the lobby, hallway, and nursery, including a hearing assistance package for this room. 
in chapter 4, middle and high school ministry, started meeting after church on Sundays and continued to be led by incredibly dedicated parents and, <coughs> excuse me, and other volunteers. In chapter 4, following months of planning, I took a three-month sabbatical, longest I'd ever been away. I think we all went through withdrawal. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But preparation for that experience prompted us to expand our local board administration from seven members to nine. Prompted us to begin to see them taking additional responsibility or increased responsibility for what happens within these walls and as a part of this ministry. It also initiated ongoing strategic discussion in the areas of succession planning. Facility improvements in Chapter 4 facilitated program expansion with the addition of things like Heaven's Lease Ballet and Caring Connections and Band of Brothers, which incidentally, each of which were initiated by dedicated and motivated volunteers who were willing to move forward in response to needs that they perceived. Chapter 4 concluded just a few months ago when a highly successful fundraising effort and playground expansion. Expansion is the wrong word. Uh, addition of a totally new, awesome playground. Once again, a vision driven by volunteers. In chapter 4, we saw 52 baptisms, 37 dedications, and 57 faith decisions. Chapter 4, attendance, went from 136 at the highest to 100 last year. As I've said several times in my annual report in the past five years, a 3 or 4% decline is a 3 or 4% decline. But when it takes place one year after another, it's... 30% reduction. Just stuff. And again, friends, it's not all about numbers. Don't don't go there. But numbers speak a language that we need to think about. All right? Giving went from 140,000 to almost 262,000 during chapter 2. And I, I need to pause there. And again, this is not about the money. It is about God's moving in our midst and what we can do when we respond to that. In 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018, every year our regular tithes and offerings were over $225,000. Each of those years an additional average of $65,000 per year came in in building fund contributions. Now again, some of you have heard me say before, and this weekend was no exception, as I wandered, I didn't wander, I moved purposely through the building on Friday and on Saturday praying. And it was so incredibly humbling to think about what God has done through those chapters. Again, I don't want to harp on this, but 
from $5,200 in a year to multiple years, seeing nearly $300,000 that we have the opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God because of what he has done and what he's doing in our midst and what he wants to do in our midst. Before I move to chapter 5, I just want to say a couple more things about finances. I mentioned earlier our mortgage. And I know some thought it was a great idea and why didn't we borrow more and build more. Some thought it was not the greatest idea. But our mortgage started out at 644000 And we started making payments in June of 2016, not quite four years ago. Since that time, in one way or another, we have consistently been making extra payments on principle. And during the first local board administration meeting in 2020, following a lengthy discussion and a careful scrutiny of our overall financial picture, the local board administration on your behalf made the decision to take some of the funds that were in savings that we had accumulated and pay an additional $50,000 on the principal. That action brought our current balance down to 400 roughly $424,000 down from 644,000 in not quite 4 years. And just in case you were reaching for your checkbook, I'll give that number again. It was 400 424 followed by three zeros. All right, just caring community church, we're good. All right, just you know um but friends, the history of working together to aggressively pay down the principal on this current mortgage, as demonstrated by our previous experience, means that as a church body, this is not the LBA, this is all of us, we have already shaved at least five years from the term of the mortgage that created the space that we're currently enjoying. Which brings us to chapter 5, 2020. Hopefully, if you have not been sleeping, you have caught on that during every chapter in the life of caring community, there have been significant changes, some obvious and some behind the scenes. Every chapter has seen some ups and seen some downs. Every chapter has seen some gains and seen some losses. Every chapter has seen some folks come and seen some folks go. And some of those departures have been very, very deeply felt. Every chapter, sometimes more, sometimes less, but every chapter has seen lives changed by the message of Christ through the ministry of caring community. Every chapter saw people entering into a real, personal, life-changing love relationship with God. Every chapter saw people embracing the sacrament of baptism as a way of saying, I identify with the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for my sin. And I will seek to move forward living differently. Every chapter saw us standing before the congregation Sometimes way back at the, I don't know that we ever did any at the Holiday Inn, 
But I know we did some in Fellowship Lounge in that little tiny room with the nasty hard metal chairs and the linoleum floor, but saw us standing up there with mommies and daddies dressed in their Sunday best, because that's what we did back then, dedicating children and saying, we want to see this child grow up to know who Jesus is and to have the best opportunity to make choices to follow him. Every chapter. Every chapter. Friends, common sense and simple observation tells us there is every reason to expect that the next chapter will see significant changes. It's going to be different next year. It's going to be different in five years. It's going to be different when we say 2030. Friends, God never changes, but everyone and everything else does. Everyone and everything else does. I'm no different than you. Some changes, it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, why didn't you do this years ago? Some changes, it's kicking and screaming, oh, no, Jesus, you don't want to do that. I don't like that. That's not what I'm used to. It wasn't my idea. Brings us back to the call for today. The call to dream again. And the question, will you see what I see? Friends, most of you know me well enough to know I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what chapter 5 is going to look like. I just know it's going to be different than chapter 4. It's going to be different than chapter 3. It's going to be different than chapter 2. It's going to be different than chapter 1. I I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do know that if you choose to, everyone who hears the words I'm speaking right now can make the choice to help write the next chapter. Each of you who wishes to contribute to the next chapter needs to be praying for God to give you a glimpse of what he wants the story to be. You need to be asking him to show you what he wants your role to be. Not what you want, not what we want, not what Cheryl thinks you should be doing, or what your spouse thinks you should be doing, or your parents or your kids, what he thinks you should be doing. Not that any of those were bad things. You need to be asking him to help you rightly discern how your efforts can best mesh with the efforts of others to accomplish what it is he wants for this chapter. In closing, I invite each of you to embrace the call to dream again for chapter 5 in the life of caring community. And I'm going to share just one of my dreams and one passage of Scripture. Friends, my dream for caring community, even though I make snide remarks about attendance and I do cite statistics, 
My dream is not just for bigger buildings. My dream is not for higher attendance. My dream is not for expanded programs or more staff or increased giving, even though those may come. My dream, my dream is that everything God has done from chapter 1 through chapter 4 has simply been a warm-up or just establishing a foundation for what he wants to use caring community to do moving forward to generate life change, real, substantive, sustained life change for more and more and more people. I dream that when God looks at Caring Community Church, chapters 1 through 4, he says, you ain't seen nothing yet. You've not seen anything yet. That was just that was just practice. Now let's see what we can really do when we get on with it. Friends, I dream of new leaders picking up where previous generations are leaving off and going to the next level. Friends, you need to grasp this. And and I I I make no apologies for my bias. We have been blessed in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, with some incredibly high-capacity leaders as a part of this congregation. Some of them were high-capacity when they came. Some of them were diamonds in the rough, and God sharpened them, sparkled, shined them up, and increased their capacity while they were here. Some of them were here for a short period of time and moved on for a plethora of reasons, Some of them have been in the harness for a really long time. My dream, as much as I celebrate that, my dream is for new leaders, young and less young, to say, you know what? God, yes, let's get this done. Oh, chapters 1 through 4, that was really sweet, but let's get serious now. All right. Who are those people going to be? My dream is for new programs and revitalization of existing programs to address the needs of changing communities with ever-increasing and expanding effectiveness. Again, oh, that's nice, but yeah, let's get real. New perspectives and style styles when it comes to equipping families and parents to face the unique faith and moral challenges of today's world with more and more families being changed for today and eternity. Friends, I'm not bashing myself here. I had a whole message wrote, you may hear it one day, about how different the world is today from 1981 when we started. Oh my goodness. Some of you would have no idea when I talk about a mimeograph machine. You, you don't know the smell. You don't know that. You don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about hymnals. Okay, but what what families need again? When I, when I think about the challenges you folks with young children face today, oh my goodness! 
I had it easy and I barely survived. Friends, we need, I dream of a way to grasp that and apply it. I dream that the next chapter will have at least 89, which is one more than the last of the best chapter up to this date in terms of faith decisions. I dream that there will be a chapter with 53 baptisms instead of the previous high of 52. I dream of a chapter with 52 or 51 baby dedications. Some of you got to get busy, I'm just saying. No, I shouldn't joke about that. That's what I dream about. I got some folks who are going to help me. Uh, if you guys want to do that right now, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, they have something for you, a parting gift, okay? I didn't give them to you earlier because I knew some of you would chew on them and erase or would you chewed off before we got done, so... As they're doing that, I understand I've gone a bit long, and I don't apologize, all right? Uh, all right, everybody got a pencil? All right, so here's, here's chapter 5 in a nutshell. I want you to take that pencil with you, and I want it to remind you. I don't know what it says. Some of them say stuff. Some of them don't say stuff. But I want you to take that pencil. And I want you to ask yourself every time you see it, how am I going to help write chapter 5? How am I going to help write chapter 5? If you want to close your eyes and bow your heads, I'm going to read a passage of Scripture, but I'm really going to pray it over you. And it's from Philippians chapter 1. You can go there on your own if you wish. But Paul's writing to the Philippians, his dearly loved co-laborers in the faith. And he says, and I say over you, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, Philippians chapter 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory 
and praise of God. Amen. Michelle? Okay, so last um, Friday, so this Friday and Saturday was a 24-hour prayer visual. Um, last Sunday, I had the opportunity to see one of my prayers being answered. Um, I got to attend my daughter and granddaughter's baptism. And uh, so it was very cool. Um, it's, we don't always get to see when our prayers are answered. And um, so it's very cool to see that. We had over 50 people, not everyone from our congregation, um, prayer within the last 24 hours. Amen. Which was over 70 hours of prayer time. Think of what can be answered in that amount of time. Um, I was able to talk to a few people that said that thank you for having me sign up. I didn't twist any arms. They did it on their own. I didn't know if I could do it. And I did it, and I felt so refreshed afterwards. Amen. How cool is that? How cool is that? Um, this coming Friday and Saturday, the members of the Revision Leadership Team will be, uh, we've already doing some homework, so we're going to be seeing where our prayers need to take us. That's right. And I'm asking that you pray for um, guidance, for wisdom, um, and the vision that we need for the revision on where we need to take um, this church in the next four, five, six, seven, twelve chapters. <laughs> Some of us aren't going to see that, but we want to keep it going. Amen. Um, and it just occurred to me that I know probably one of Cheryl's prayers were answered because we have some people that are brand new to teaching back in the classrooms, don't we? Uh-huh. So more prayers Amen. that were answered there. So. Amen. Keep praying. That's right. All right. Super. All right. As worship team makes their way up, uh, just one last reminder. Hopefully you saw it on the screen. Uh, next Sunday's time change. So you guys all get to get up a little uh, earlier than usual and be bright and refreshed and excited that you got one less hour of sleep. All right. So I look forward to seeing you then.